This is the Mahabharata Podcast, episode 96, The Death of the Pandavas. Last episode was a rough one for our heroes. For all the suffering and abuse we have seen them undergo, it was always accepted in the spirit of forbearance. It was obvious that if they so choose, they could defeat their enemies at any time. But no longer. The effect of the Kali Yuga has so penetrated the earth that even the son of Indra has lost his superhuman potency. After all, every life ends in weakness and death, so every story is a tragedy. We could have ended our tale with the horse sacrifice and the triumph of the Pandavas, but the story would be incomplete. And thus, the second half of the tragedy is begun with the death of Krishna and the humiliation of Arjun. Following Arjun's defeat by Punjabi bandits, he installed the surviving Vrishnis at Indraprastha, making Krishna's grandson Vajra their king. In his dejection, Arjun took a detour to visit Vyasa at his ashram. Vyasa said that there is no tragedy in this story, but the nature of time is such that nothing can last forever, be it good or be it bad. So it was simply inevitable that after their triumph, even the heroes must experience a downfall and the loss of their loved ones. This all sounds incredibly tragic, but Vyasa reminded us that the story does not end with death. The tragedy of death is only due to our limited perspective. For the folks that do the dying, it is their final reward and greatest homecoming. All that really matters in life is that you lived it well. The end of the last episode was also the end of Book 16, the Bashala Parva. We now move quickly to Book 17, called the Mahaprasthanika Parva, which I believe translates to the Book of the Great Departure. The book begins with Arjun's return from Dwarka and Vyasa's ashram. He broke the bad news about the women and passed on Vyasa's advice that they too make way for the next generation. Yudhishthira was probably waiting for this moment a long time. He was finally set free by his one remaining elder to give up the world and begin to transition to the next. When Arjun finished reporting back, Yudhishthira had made up his mind. He said to his brothers, It is time that builds us up and then tears us down. Clearly, all of this is simply the working of time. Not one of the brothers objected. They knew their time was up and there was no going back. Being of one mind on this issue, the brothers then summoned their last surviving cousin, Dhritarashtra's bastard, Yuyitsu. They made their cousin the regent and protector of the kingdom, while their grandson Prikshit was made king. Since Draupadi was naturally going to accompany her husbands, the dowager empress position was filled by Prikshit's grandmother, Subhadra. Subhadra is a central figure in this new disposition, because she is both grandmother to the Kuru king and great-aunt to King Vajra at Indrapastha. With the care of these two kings entrusted to Krishna's sister, the brothers went back to the river to perform oblations in Krishna's memory. For one last time, they invited the great rishis and fed and entertained them while giving away their accumulated wealth to all the Brahmins of the land. I guess the regular rules of retribution do not always apply to Brahmins, because Kripa never had to answer for his role in the slaughter of the Draupadeyas at the dead of night. Instead, he was entrusted as Minister of Defense and Military Guru to Parikshit. When news of their plans got out to the regular citizens, they petitioned the king to stay and protect them. But Yudhishthira had gotten the all clear from Vyasa, so there was no stopping him now. It says that he did take the time to explain himself, and he eventually won them over to his point of view. Then, the Pandavas removed all their royal finery and put on simple tree bark as their clothing. When the people saw the five brothers and Draupadi again departing the city alone and without processions, it reminded them of the aftermath of the dice game, and they all commenced to wailing. 
The six of them, with only a dog as their companion, left the city behind and then entered the forest, heading east. There they took up the lifestyle of traveling renunciates. The only possession any of them kept was Arjun's Gandava bow and formerly magical quivers. He held on to these out of nostalgia for his days of greatness. Eventually, the Pandavas reached the Sea of Red Waters. There, blocking their way, they encountered Agni, the fire god. The god addressed them all, saying, I am the god of fire. I consume the Kandava forest with the help of Arjun and Narayan himself. As a reward, I gave your brother the use of the Gandava bow. But now let Arjun cast it away. You no longer have any need for it. Even Krishna's precious disc has been removed from the world. When the time is right, they shall return, but not now. I got this bow of yours from the god of the ocean, Varuna, so let Varuna have it back again. Arjun still needed some encouragement from his brothers, but finally they got him to let it go. One by one, he cast first the bow and then the two quivers into the sea, after which Agni departed. Now completely empty-handed, the Pandavas turned south until they reached the Salt Sea. Then they went southwest, then west, until they reached the coastline where Dwarka had formerly stood. If you're starting to suspect that I am skimming over the details, I assure you that I certainly am not. For the past three Parvas, the story has been moving at a breakneck pace, and we no longer get treated to long dialogues or digressions. What did the Pandavas see while on this journey? How much had the world changed since her travels in exile? We are not told anything except the barest of itineraries. Perhaps we are all much too familiar with the condition of Kali Yuga India, so there's no point in reminding us. In any case, due to this paucity of details, we are rapidly approaching the end of the epic. The Pandava's entire stay at Krishna's former stronghold is described in a single sentence. Whatever sentiments they might have felt, nothing further is said. All that we are told is that upon reaching Dwarka, the Pandavas then headed north with the intention of circumambulating the earth. Continuing northward, they crossed the Himalayas, where they came across a vast, sandy desert. Beyond the desert, they could see Mount Meru. Without thought for food or water, the Pandavas and their canine companions set off straight through the desert. But this all finally proved too much for Draupadi. They had been drawing on their yogic power, but hers finally failed. Yagyaseni Draupadi collapsed to the ground. Bhima noticed and asked Yudhishthira, Why did her power fail her? She never committed any sin. Why was she the first to fall? Yudhishthira replied, My brother, even though we all five were equally her husband, she was always partial to Arjun, and that is why she fell. It seems strange to me, but the husbands just left her there and pressed on to their destination. The next to drop was Sahadev. So Bhima asked again, Why was it Sahadev among the brothers who went down first? Yudhishthira replied, Sahadev was overproud of his intelligence and thought no one was smarter than him. Thus he fell before the rest of us. Again, they just left their brother lying there, and the four brothers and their dog continued on. The next one to go down was Nakul. Yudhishthira explained, Nakul was righteous and intelligent, but he was too vain and thought he was prettier than everyone else. That was his downfall. He eulogized, what has been ordained for a person must be endured by him. This time Arjun could not just walk away from his dead brothers. In his extreme grief and weariness, Arjun also dropped out of his yogic state and collapsed to the ground. While Arjuna lay there on the point of death, Bhima again posed the question. I don't recall Arjun ever uttering a single untruth, not even in jest. So what bad thing has he done to deserve this? Yudhishthira explained, 
Arjun once said that he would consume all our enemies in a single day. He was proud of his prowess, yet he did not accomplish what he had said, and so he has fallen down. He also looked down on other archers, and people who want to succeed in the world ought not to nurture such sentiments. Yudhishthira then proceeded onward to their goal. They hadn't gone much further when Bhima also fell to the ground. As he lay dying, he said, Now look, it's me, your dear brother. I've fallen and I can't get up. What did I do to deserve this? Yudhishthira said, Well, you're an awfully big eater, and you sure did like to boast of your strength. And you always ate first, and did not give any mind to the wants of others. And that's why you have fallen. Now there was just Yudhishthira and his dog, and they turned their backs on the rest of the world and continued on to the slopes of Mount Meru. As they drew near, Indra came swooping down on one of his vimanas. He landed it next to the king and offered him a ride. But Yudhishthira replied, My wife and brothers have all fallen along the way, and without them I do not wish to enter heaven. Let's go back and pick them up. They really deserve no less. Indra said, You've got it all wrong. They've already reached heaven before you. So let's go. They are all waiting for you there. They have cast away their bodies. Only you are to enter heaven without dying. Now satisfied, Yudhishthira and the dog began to climb into the car. But Indra stopped him, saying, Sorry, no dogs allowed in the car. But don't worry about the dumb dog. Just leave him there. He'll be fine. No one will blame you. Yudhishthira said, My lord, it is not easy for someone like me to do anything mean or cruel. If the dog can't ride with me, then I shall keep walking. But Indra protested. He said, You know that no dogs are allowed in heaven. And if you try to smuggle one in, they might just kick you out. So just get rid of the dang dog and get in here. But Yudhishthira did not get this far by giving in on points of morality. So he stood his ground. He said, I have vowed to give protection to any creature that seeks it from me. To abandon this dog now would be as bad as if I killed a Brahmin. I shall not give up on that vow until I die. Indra pressed him some more. He said, What, so you're saying you'll give up paradise for a stupid mutt? What's wrong with you, man? You struggled so long to earn your place by my side, and now you want to throw it all away just for the sake of a silly beast. Yudhishthira's answer, simply put, was yes. When it was clear that the Pandava would not give way, the dog suddenly transformed into the god Dharma. Well pleased with his son, Dharma said, You have done well, my son. You have shown loyalty and compassion for even the most humble creatures. I recall back in the forest when I questioned you, all your brothers were dead, but you only ask that Nakul be revived in order to do good for your stepmother, Madri. And now with this dog, you preferred to walk with the dog than to ride in Indra's car without it. Well, congratulations, you win. You not only won a privileged place in heaven, you'll never have to return to suffer mortality ever again. Then there appeared a whole host of gods who escorted Yudhishthira into heaven in his own special vimana. At his reception, the sage Narada stood up and declared, of all the sage kings, Yudhishthira alone has exceeded them all in his achievements. No one but the eldest son of Pandu has ever entered heaven with his body still intact. Yudhishthira said, Whatever it is I have earned, I only wish to be with my brothers, wherever they are, happy or sad. Please take me to them now. Again, Indra dragged his feet. He said, Come on, this is heaven. Why do you cling to these mortal sentiments and want to see your brothers? They are where they belong, and you belong here. This is the special VIP lounge, isn't it great? It wouldn't be so nice if they just let anybody come here. But the Pandava sure could be stubborn, and he insisted that he should be taken to his wife and brothers right away. And that ends the Mahaprasthanika Parva. It also ends our episode for now. 
Next time, we'll take up book 18 and we'll finish the story at last. Thanks for listening.